you have a quip. We'll put that for a quip. It's just cadals. Hey, listeners, welcome to episode number 174 of the Witty Banter Podcast. I'm one of your hosts, Chase Williams, and I'm sitting across the screen in cyberspace from my best friend, Hunter Dorsett. What's up, dude? <laughs> What's up? Unfortunately, <laughs> I can't introduce our other co-host, Max Scott, because he's got a super busy timeline ahead of him with school and projects and such, so we won't have him on today, which is a little bit of a bummer. We're going to yeah. be feeling like a, a tripod, but without that third leg, and we're going to fall right over, maybe. That kind of reminds me, dude, I was listening to this NPR uh, episode recently, and they were talking about this bear that got famous in 2014 for like walking around like on its hind legs, mm-hmm. just because like I guess the front of its paws got fucked up, but oh. it like became this viral bear because it was just like walking around like a human would in they, people's would front people yard. Spot it? Yeah, yeah. So he's just wandering around. <laughs> that's kind of dis- that's a little disturbing. Yeah, it's it was like everyone was like, "This is uncanny." Yeah, <laughs> this is fucking weird. All it takes is a tiny bit of looking like us, and then you get real uncomfortable real quickly. I was thinking about, about that the anything. other day. Like, if you had a dog that like wasn't like putting his front two legs up and was yeah. able to kind of just like put his front two legs down and just walk in a straight line, like that would be super fucking weird. <laughs> wait, wait. When you mean with its hind legs in the air? No, no, no. Like. It's walking on its in its back legs, and instead of having its front legs like kind of nestled up like a T Rex, you know, like uh, to kind of give yeah. it some balance. But if it just had its legs like swinging by its side, oh my god, like <laughs> casually, like limp, yeah, just letting gravity do its work, yeah. There's something a little too nonchalant about that, you know. I, I'm wondering, like, if at some point we're gonna be able to quote unquote domesticate animals enough to like be able to talk and walk and do shit like that dude there's people who stand by the fact that their dogs can understand like sentences you know or yeah. like more complex phrasing which is really probably like a combination of simple signals and meanings but those like a few of those will stack up in a row and the dog will do something like kind of specific yeah you know and highly specialized and that's that's pretty legit dude yeah i mean i feel like I feel like with fucking gorillas and stuff, being able to like do tests and point out colors and stuff. Parrots like, know like 70 words. <laughs> and, pigs, you know, and apparently pigs can do a lot of tricks too. But that's all to say there's a lot of smart animals out there. <laughs> and usually I just forget about that because I don't want to think about what it's I, like. They just need to be animals in my mind. I don't want to have to ask any other questions about it or consider any other like moral trappings. Just would keep you, it simple, you know. I bet you would be freaked out if uh, your one of your favorite animals, the octopus, like became pretty sentient, dude. Dude, they kind of are. And yeah, sometimes, I know. Yeah, like I feel, I do feel tension when I eat one now because I'm like this thing, dude. Because they have like they've got personalities, man. And the second that starts to shine through, it's true. It it's gets true. Tough, There's dude. some smart motherfuckers. Yeah, like uh, if you want to go down a quick rabbit hole on YouTube, just watch octopus moving across various like obstacle courses like the locomotion that they can achieve is fucking unsettling but anyway (laughs) welcome to witty banter episode number 174 uh we review alcoholic beverages on this show hunter did you bring a beer this week 
I did. Um, I think I'm a few weeks late because this was an Oktoberfest that we bought that we just never really reviewed. Yeah. Um, but it's good. We need to yeah. get one of those in there. We used to do pumpkin uh, themed uh, episodes and like Oktoberfest themed uh, episodes in October. I know. We fucking seriously dropped the ball there. This I don't, year. Well, I don't honestly, dude. I feel like the last two episodes we've brought the Halloween content, though. Mm-hmm. So I feel like we've got the trade off a little bit. Okay. All right. I feel you. Um, so yeah, this is the Cozy Bavarian Oktoberfest by Three Nations Brewing Company. And Three Nations. I'm, yeah, I don't know what the Three Nations might be. Um, it's out of Texas, right? It's out of Farmer's Branch, Texas. And it says, true to tradition, Oktoberfest begins when the first keg is tapped in the Schottenhommel tent on hallowed grounds in Bavaria. The time has come. And this true Meritzen lager has spent the last six weeks waiting patiently to be put into this very can. So cozy up to aromas of dark cherries, toffee, and chestnuts and start Oktoberfest right with the malty character of a true Bavarian brew. It's nice that they really listed out what makes a Bavarian or like an Oktoberfest beer on their can, you know? It is. Yeah, I like the fact that they, uh, they, they take you through the steps, but it's not overindulgent. Right. Those overindulgent fucking passages are just like Yeah, they were they got a little cheeky. (laughs) Right. With their feet or something, you know. (laughs) They're showing off. They got a little cheeky with like the hallowed ground stuff for sure, but I will say, um like the the fact that they I like the little touch of it being in a can that was made for you and how it's supposed to be cozy and comfortable. Like it's your buddy. This is your beer, you know? Yeah, make it quaint. Make it nice and uh, glee. Well, at this point, I'm pretty sure I know that you enjoy Oktoberfest beers, and uh, we'll have to see how this one kind of compares to the experience that you've had drinking other Oktoberfest beers and other just um, kind of more festive lagers. Like, there's Fest beers and Mybox and things like that that are all kind of similar. Yep. Um, so, yeah. And I've never heard of that brewery before, so it's kind of like a, a debut for them. You know, I'm on- wondering what the three nations are. If I had to guess... If they do a lot of like German style beers, mm. I would maybe think that the three nations might be Texas, America, and Germany. That could be something. But I don't know. I mean, it could be any number of things. I was thinking maybe it, it's like the three flags of recent history under Texas. Like, it, yeah, it could be geo- <laughs> like geographical to their specific area in Texas. Like, yeah. counties or something come together. Because <laughs> once you're in between the big cities, you're basically on just country roads and large expanses of lands and farms so we can only speculate um, until we check google that's true and right now we're recording a goddamn podcast so that's not gonna <laughs> we happen. got things to do so i'm drinking the bullet bourbon uh frontier whiskey hunter okay. this is another uh whiskey or bourbon that i missed out on on my original run through so okay. i would consider this one to still be within the dlc content in my new game plus run Yes. But given its reputation, it's going like I've heard of this boss, but I, it's it's like a filler boss. It's not easy or it's, it's pretty easy. Right. Like I I kind of took out the main gatekeeper with Whistle Pig last week. Right. Because Bullet Bourbon is in most bars. They're pretty well known and have a in and they're very expansive across America. Um, it's at 45 percent alcohol by volume. So 90 proof. And. What I've kind of been recognizing with spirits is that you're either going to get like a 40 proof 
to a 50 proof generally. And those yeah. 50 proof uh, whiskeys usually are more expensive in the bar because they can kind of sell you less because it's going to get you drunker faster. Mm-hmm. And the lower ABVs are a little bit cheaper and you can have a little bit more of them. This one kind of being a balance between four, like as 45 is interesting to me because what, what it kind of tells me is that you're kind of strategically choosing your ABV content um, when it comes to being sold in a bar or at least being um, having a bar want to carry your whiskey, I would say. Right. And so, but there's, there's like mouthfeel um, consequences for that, right? Like I have really enjoyed, I think my favorite spirits are those 100 proof spirits because hmm. they can like kind of carry a different sort of weight and there's just a different experience there. Uh, I, I really don't know how to describe it. So, so this is a hybrid boss. Right. Yeah. This one's like, it's, it's just well balanced. It's going to test you on all, in all frontiers. All There's probably basics. multiple ways to beat it, you know, but you got to be kind of locked into each one of those classes. It's just a checkup on your fundamentals, you know? Yeah. Uh, so yeah, the last little bits of information that I think is pertinent is that it is made with rye, corn, and ba- barley malt, um, but with a high rye content. So it's going to have that higher rye. So we're going to see how those tastes come together. Um, and in the description, it also mentions like a specific strain of yeast. And it actually made me realize that I have not been tasting for yeast almost at all with these spirits. And yeah. I feel like it's a component or a dimension that I may be missing out on because there might be certain notes or characteristics or esters that are coming through from yeast that I'm not really pinpointing as such. Because mm. even in like wine, like champagne or... Um, like Chardonnays that have a specific yeast characteristic, it can def- totally define the wine. And when you start recognizing yeast flavors in wine, it, it was it was like a moment when all of that really opened up to me as well. You know? Yeah, I completely uh, overlooked that as well. I completely forgot that yeast yeah. is the main reason why shit gets fermented. Right. Exactly. And in, in every every alcohol that we drink, like it's a part of the the equation. You know? Can 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 stuff that you know is not just completely out there be fermented in ways outside of using yeast? I mean, I think I think any I think the classification is almost the other way around where like anything that can ferment something, like any bacteria living is that, a yeast. <laughs> yeah, that does that process is considered yeast, you know? Damn. Okay. Yeah. Interesting. That's just okay. my guess though. Anyway, so I'm actually I'm excited to try this one. I don't have high hopes in the sense of I don't think it's gonna be like a flagship bourbon experience but i want to see if this thing has earned it's like kind of ubiquitous nature in bars you know it'll be interesting to see how it tests that 45 percent hybrid area yeah so hunter before we jump into things last week we had a pretty contentious conversation about ice cream flavors Hmm. you were kind of throwing out some you were you were smearing the name of mint chocolate chip I was really just trying to throw something in the game to oppose mint chocolate chip. And what you threw out was cinnamon ice cream. Yeah, which apparently was preposterous. I didn't know. It was so redonkulous. I mean, when I talked to Mandy this weekend, she basically expressed, like, is that even an ice cream flavor? Yeah. And I did a... She had the same reaction you guys did. Right. And I did a poll on Twitter, just like we said we would, to settle the score. (laughs) One... One of the replies we got was straight up, quote, I've never heard of cinnamon ice cream, end quote. 
<laughs> I had it at Benihana one time, and it was fucking good, guys. And the final vote, we had we only had eight submissions, so very small sample size. But we have an eighty-eight percent landslide decision on mint chocolate chip ice cream. God damn it! So both you and Mandy, because I know she's a naysayer at least on mint chocolate chip as well too. You're gonna have to live with that one. Maybe you're gonna have to give it another shot. That's like another Lagrange for me to add to my to my repertoire. Yeah, I don't think it's quite as bad. No, but it's get, definitely not, but it's not good. <laughs> it's not something I'm enjoying I'm not proud sitting in. I'm not happy that we actually followed up on that. Yes, sir. All right, dude. Well, I have uh, a few more things to go over to catch up with for okay. you and I to talk about and for the Banter Nation to eavesdrop on. So let's bust down the door and get right into it. This is Witty Banter. Hunter, we got to see each other in person this week, man. I was yeah, sitting was great. in that very apartment that you're in now. And I, yeah, you're right. It was fucking fantastic. It was great. I had a great time you. both times getting to see you. Yeah. Got to catch up on some Tex Max because, I, like I said this weekend to many people, not just you, flags in the sand. Mexican food in Texas is better than Mexico, Mexican food in California. I'm making um, the formal declaration. Is anyone really going to, uh, you know, Cali- puff their yeah. chest at I that? Mean, Californians will, dude. Really? They're going to puff up. Oh, yeah. That have been to Texas? <laughs> Look at it this way, right? Think about how stringent your mom is about Texas barbecue being the best barbecue. <laughs> right? Yes. It just seems to be the natural attitude of people in their home state who maybe have not had a ton of that food from outside states, right? You're preconditioned, yes. You really are. And that's okay. We get it, right? It's fine, yeah. It makes sense. It's fine. It's fine. But I was there for... Darian's high school reunion Mm -hmm. and I wanted to talk to you about high school reunions because ours is coming up in a couple of years and I'm uh, I want to go I'm a little excited about it and I kind of got to survey the field I got yeah I'm glad you're going to talk about this yeah yeah, I got to dip my toes in the water and kind of feel out how this is going to run down so Hunter first I just want to know what are your expectations for a high school reunion I think my expectations are going to be pretty spot on with reality, which is just that I'm going to see a lot of people that I spent a lot of time with in high school, but that I haven't really gotten in touch with or reached out to in the past 10 years. Mm -hmm. And I'm going to be generally happy to see everybody. I'm going to be happy to catch up. I'm going to try and, you know, soak it all in and relive the glory days and stuff as much as I can. But there will be some natural just differences, you know, just um, seeing where people have come, um, seeing kind of what they're about now. Um, and it, it, a lot of it will be positive. Some of it will be negative. Um, but I'm really just kind of expecting to kind of have high-level chit-chat uh, based high off level, of... High-level small talk, medium talk. Yes. Uh, That's good, yeah. Where, you know, you're just kind of... You're kind of just, you know, getting the basics of what you've been up to out of the way, and you're just refreshing your memory with, like, why you guys are, were friends in the first place, and then hopefully just, like, going and having fun, and that's really, like, the number one priority if, if I do that. It's just, like, look, like, you and I have had 
several disagreements online about <laughs> stupid bullshit. Yeah. But let's just we like both have put fun our elbows out in 2015 and, like, and 2016. And just, yeah. <laughs> let's just like, you know, have fun and like have a good time and just like and get the nostalgia going, you know? I think you're actually pretty spot on with um, how it goes and what the approach should be. What was surprising to me was that for some reason I thought like the high schools themselves were in charge of putting this on. Like they had a yearly committee that essentially was rolling through and setting these up or whatever. When that wasn't the case at all for this one, at least it was it's the typically student, the class. Yeah, it was. It's yeah, it was body. the the student class president basically organized this thing and had like a kind of council of people that put it all together and overall there was probably about like 75 people out of a graduating class of like 500 that showed up hmm. and I'm trying to figure out who those people are going to be for our class you know we don't have to get into specifics because that's very specific to us yeah. but <laughs> it's like who are the types of people that come because I had a great time because those that were there were willing to, and, I, and I think it's a part of the nature of if you're willing to do this you're willing to like mingle, have that small talk, be interested in other people's lives. And and since everyone's sort of there for that reason, it all gelled really well, you know? Yeah. Um, you know, I think naturally the people who are highly sociable in high school are probably still highly sociable at this point in time, and they're probably going to want to take part. Um, mm -hmm. And I'll say this, man, like, I again, like I'm a little bit of a hermit compared to... I think a lot of people that I knew in high school, so I haven't reached out as much to the the breadth of friends over the past 10 years. So like I see a lot of pictures about people having weddings and you know all these high school buds are there and I'm seeing all those pictures. So I'm yeah. sure that like there's going to be large pockets of people that have kept up fairly well with each other that'll probably attend. And I'm yeah. sure there'll be some like one-offs where it's like, you know, People that, you know, maybe you didn't remember or think about when you think about high school, but like sure. you do kind of remember what they're, you know, that they were cool or that you got along with them for a brief moment in time. Um, yeah, I'm just, I'm just, I'm imagining it'll be just a hodgepodge of different groups, but I'm hoping that it's not just like all the football players and their girlfriends and wives and stuff. Mm -hmm. Or like all just like people that I didn't know at all and like trying to like <clears throat> like spark a flame that was never there. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> yeah, I, I found what seemed to be the cheat code and I'm excited now for our turn was when people would run into more so like middle school friends that they lost their way with even through high school because they were like the friendships that were a little more innocent and foundational and early childhood. And so they were able to connect with each other on that level and then like really catch up. Yeah. And I was starting to think about who those people would be for me. And I was like, okay, I would be really excited actually to see and talk to these groups of people and, and mm -hmm. things like that. But yeah, dude, I'm, I'm looking forward to it. I am happy that I had a good time and a good experience at this reunion. That wasn't mine because it makes me excited for the, the next one and not so afraid of it, you know? Right. And, and, you know, like, like even yesterday, like I saw, I went to the grocery store after you and I hung out. I saw Richard Sharp out of nowhere. No shit. Roaming the grocery store, super long hair and stuff. And like, you know, he was my first guitarist and 
uh, I, I even played music with him in college and stuff, and, and we were good buds. And it's like, you know, we ran each other in the grocery store. We're like, hey, what's up? Not much, man. How are you? Doing good. Not much going on. And then that was kind of it. You know, it's like yeah. not a whole lot of rehashing or anything, but, you know, there's still general goodwill and, uh, and, and liking to catch up. So, Well, look, when we think about old friends, there's many that come to mind. Some of them are big, burly, angry gods. <laughs> Some of them are named Kratos. And Hunter, we've been waiting on bated breath for you to get the new God of War. I know you have it now, mm-hmm. but... I want to get your first impressions, but if you haven't played enough to really go into it yet, we can kind of just we can kind of hold off on that because what I what I want to get from you is I know you haven't played enough to get like a full critical review of it, but I do want to get like your impressions maybe when you're like halfway through the game or I've maybe had just started uh, and then after that close out on like after you finish the game because you kind of need to play the entire game to get the full experience, which is Perfect. cool for that game. Yep. Um, so do you have anything to talk about now that you've started, maybe? I've got just a few brief takeaways. Um, I will say I don't think I've gotten into it enough to really have formed a, a solid opinion in any one way. Um, I only have my, my, my you know first initial thoughts, which one is just that it's completely different than the other God of Wars. Like, the fact that you can, even just small things, like the fact that you can control your own camera is like, Something that you yeah. couldn't do in the other God Awards, which frankly was frustrating. But then now I'm like kind of used to it. And so whenever I was like running around with Kratos now, I was like, oh, I have to think about cameras and shit too. Um, I have to think about where to look in the environment, right? Yeah. Um, which I'm not like not upset that I have to do that. I'm actually glad that they changed that. But uh, but it's just a new it's, mechanic. Right. Um, just something that's different. You know, the 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 beginning is very much like him being kind of hard on his kid and you can tell that there's like a distance where like the kid doesn't really know his dad but like his dad's like you know Kratos is really very much just like all right prove to me that you you got the stuff and like we're about to bounce you know (laughs) yeah man. Um, how do you like that setup I think it's interesting I can't really tell how the kid is really gonna help right now like you know I already had my first boss and I fought that big ass troll thing and the kid didn't do anything like the kid barely ever made the troll distracted and i'm playing right now on i guess what would be considered hard if it was beginning medium hard expert i did the same um and i feel like it's a little it's taking too long to kill my enemies frankly i feel the same way dude like and and i'm and i'm also wondering like i don't i'm sure it'll increase uh, the damage and, and the effectiveness, but I'm like, why would I ever use my light attack when my heavy attack is like almost as fast and it like completely incapacitates the person that I'm hitting? Like whenever I'm doing right. my R1 light attack, it's just like not doing anything to this <laughs> thing. Mm-hmm. And it has, I, I do like the fact that there's kind of this mechanic where if you use your fists, it'll like stun them. And yeah. that'll like make it easier for you to do like a finisher on them. That's kind of cool. Um, but yeah, it's really just different. I mean, obviously the, the, the graphics are incredible. Um, I'm, I'm, I hate saying it because I feel like I've been saying it for the last like five years, but I really feel like in the next five years or so, 
it's going to be completely impossible to tell that it's not real. Um, and this is just kind of like the perfect, like middle spot between like, you know, what I was playing before and what's just going to be completely imperceptible from reality. <laughs> um, right. But you, but you see almost, so in that statement though, you see a, uh, a movement in, into the future though, right? Yeah. Yes. Yeah. And, um, let yeah. me, let me ask you this j- just to, so could, I think that lays out a lot of really good talking points actually for when we kind of follow up on this conversation, okay. um, which is nice. Uh, and I, did you, did you fight the first boss that shows up at your doorstep? Yes. Okay. That was the moment where I was like, holy shit, they are serving me an experience that I don't think I've really ever had before in a game. Mm-hmm. What did you think about the impact of that fight? The way that it was segmented between combat and more cinematic um, um, quick time events, much like the old God of War had, and after that moment in time, were you very ener- were you energized to continue forward? I think I was from a story perspective. I really wasn't a huge fan of some of the mechanics of the fight against the boss. I mean, really? I, yeah. I mean, I feel like I feel like I kind of learned that boss's like stuff and like his main moves after you know maybe three minutes of playing and then and then it was just like all right well how long am i gonna have to do this until i'm gonna finish this guy (laughs) yeah which which might be a um a result of that balancing critique that we're talking about with the hard difficulty right just feeling like everything's a sponge once the fight is figured out uh your mind knows what to do and now it's just a matter of executing it so your brain is like almost one step ahead of where the game is and that waiting period is annoying and boring. Right. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, yeah. that being said, yeah, no, the, the, the cinematics are cool. It was really like unexpected. He just looked like a fucking random vagrant and he ended up being this crazy powerful motherfucker. Um, it blew and- me away in that moment where like he sh- he like, he like throws Kratos into a crater in the ground yeah. <laughs> and Kratos is climbing back up the rocks and he's covered in dirt and blood and like you can just see it so well rendered on like his back and the animation like his back muscles are like moving perfectly as he climbs and like <laughs> in that moment where he's like coming up for the fight again covered in blood i was very much like this is the most fucking masculine testosterone <laughs> let's fucking do this shit feeling right now man i i was pretty enamored with it yeah and and it definitely is like it's interesting because they I guess, like, you know, in the other games, it was so soaked in, like, the mythology of everything that you don't really think of Kratos as, like, a human or you don't think of him as, like, a a normal sort of, like, person that you might see kind of being relatable to. Mm -hmm. But, like, this was very much like you just start out and you're just Kratos and you're walking around with this kid and hunting, right? And so now, like... You, like you, you see him like pick up a tree and and it's crazy, right? But yeah, but you don't realize like how crazy intense he is. And so whenever you actually do see him fight this dude, and it's like super bloody and rowdy as fuck, you're like, oh okay, <laughs> like oh yeah, he is like a crazy ass demigod, <laughs> right? That's awesome, cool. Yeah, no, I, like I said, I think what you've laid out now is is 
a really good outline to like check up on. So just keep us posted on where you're at in the game, man, and, and whether or not we talk about it one or two more times. Um, I'm kind of down. I'm, I'm sure the audience is, is stoked to hear what you have to say as well. Dope. Uh, the other thing that I'm sure the audience is happy about is the fact that you are releasing new content on your YouTube channel, Crypto Diesel. And I know Max likes to pay lip service and shout out your episodes, but I watch them, Hunter. Yeah, I know. <laughs> I know I'm, you do. I'm just messing with you, Max. Um, but I wanted to talk to you real quick about some of the things you've taught, you've laid out in those new episodes uh, and invite everybody to watch. So maybe watch them as well. So maybe you can follow along a little bit closer. But you okay. have been sort of talking about uh, two things that I, that I want to get into. One, the cryptocurrency market has remained in like kind of a downturn is continuing to um, decrease in value. And you have kind of marketed that as like a 70% off discount sale in terms of investing. Right. Which is exciting. And I'm curious, um, I'm curious what you think about someone who maybe like can't get in right now, but is very much interested. Like, is this window, do you see this window being like, because you, you did predict last December this would happen. When do you kind of predict maybe this starting to turn back up? Uh, this is, I mean, it's complete conjecture, complete yeah. speculation. Um, you're right. Like the last video, I kind of gave out some some reasons why I could see uh, uh, like things starting to turn back upward during Q4. Ultimately, I don't think they will. I don't think that, I don't think that uh, everybody's like ready to kind of like get back on board. It's not like it kind of hasn't had its time to just like be out of everyone's mind long enough to kind of get excited about it again. So I would think that like middle of 2019 or maybe even the beginning of 2020 is when it's going to start like getting really interesting again. Yeah. And that's a little longer than like most want to wait. I mean, you can invest in all sorts of stuff. Um, and it doesn't have to be, you know, something you have to wait 12 to 24 months for it to come around or whatever. But sure. still, I mean, like, I, I think that I'm a hundred percent, I have no doubts that it will rebound to what it was before and exceed it. So that's the thing that I'm most excited about. It, it, where, and where just, does that, where does that kernel of hope come from? Like, what's the seed that that's growing out of, you know? Um, where's that feeling? Basically just the fact that I don't think, I mean, like the internet was a revolutionary technology because it basically allowed the information that we, you know, would like to be able to transmit to others. It allowed for that to be instantaneous and global. And so that was like a, a, a change. It was a paradigm shift in information you know, disbursement. And now we have this thing where for the first time, you know, we always, we've always said some stuff about the internet being the wild west and stuff. And we have this proven like world, like it's a revolutionary technology that doesn't allow for people to change history. Like you can't just go back and change the blockchain. Like we have a proven ledger of history and it's almost like I've heard people even say that like it's the first time that we can actually have an objective historical record of anything 
because instead of having everybody's perception of what's actually happening, you have a proven you have a proven track of every single transaction, every single event, every single bit of data that's being sent over the internet on this network, of course, and it's locked in and no one can hack it. And it's like that's that's crazy. <laughs> it's just a crazy technology and I think that once people start understanding and becoming cognizant to like how revolutionary that is and the ability for people, for instance, to like, I mean, it is very uh, common for people to like, you know, be coming to America and then like send money that they earn back home. Right. And like right now they're paying like 20% on top of waiting like 10 days and not knowing where it is. And the person on the other side has to pay 10% or whatever. And now you can just send it across the world instantaneously, knowing it gets to them, and no fees, basically. And so it's like that's just that's just revolutionary, man. I don't think I don't think yeah. that people will take that for granted in the long run. It's cool to hear. Like what's being re- reiterated to me is just your steadfast belief in the technology, which has always been there. And in a way, I almost should have expected that to be the answer. But hearing it reiterated again in articulate terms that are like both echo what you have said before, but are also like maintaining and changing is nice to hear, you know, mm-hmm. like I, I understand kind of what you're, what you're putting forward. My last question I want to pose to you just real quick. Uh, something that you mentioned in your video was that you would start to come around on the idea of Bitcoin cash, which is a separate um, cryptocurrency that was like a hard fork of mm-hmm. Bitcoin, but that has a little bit of, so has some changes Uh, But what I want to ask you about is that initially you had reservations about that cryptocurrency, both because of the leader who was marketing it and the way that kind of it worked and presented itself. And in your video, you you said that you actually you seeked out a discord community of people who were fans or enthusiasts of this cryptocurrency. And you put yourself out there and reached out and talked to these people and basically said, I don't understand can you help me recognize the value here? And after doing that, you kind of had your perspective changed. And I think you um, feel differently about the, the uh, that cryptocurrency specifically now. Um, and I want to focus in on the fact that you seeked out that community and threw yourself into an environment where you were kind of the odd man out, but you wanted more info. Because I just think that is very rare behavior uh, this day and age and it's admirable and should be kind of recognized, you know? Thanks, man. I appreciate it. And uh, to be, to be fair, it wasn't like a Bitcoin cash server or anything. It was, it would, it's basically just a trading and cryptocurrency in general, uh, uh, discord. Mm-hmm. And, but what, what I'd found is that there had been, you know, trends of people who are, you know, uh, majority super users and stuff that had um, established themselves as having opinions that everybody else valued. And I knew that they were sort of, there's, there's this just general, there's this community of bashing Bitcoin, uh, BTC. And I just don't, I, I still don't really understand how it's still so like, it's pervasive and it's just thick, you know, it's kind of, it's kind of ideological and religious in a lot of sense of just like, we have to choose a side and you can only be on the one side or the other rather than being open to both, you know? Yeah. 
and it's it's another instance where you have a a lot of echo chambering where people start you know they read stuff they start to understand how they feel about it and then they just consume everything that reaffirms their beliefs right um and i did get in some good points that like weren't very well refuted and that made me also feel good because i was like i was like dude they were like i'll say something like well, Bitcoin's like the most secure. And they're like, what do you mean by secure? And I mean, like, it means it has the most miners and it's the most difficult to solve the problems, which means it's the most difficult to hack right now. And like, there is no real like re- refutation to it after I said that. Um, and it's just like, well, miners going to switch over in 2020 whenever Bitcoin ha- does the halving and it's not even worth it to do it anymore. I'm like, that's not what I said. <laughs> you know, right, like, yeah. That doesn't address what I'm saying. Um, the... The, but yeah, I, I, I don't think that it's, you know, super saintly. I really just like felt misinformed or not misinformed, but it's just like when you see so much stuff online that doesn't conform to your understanding that's that you th- thought was supposed to be fundamental, which is that Bitcoin's like the most secure, it has the longest blockchain, like it accomplishes X, Y, Z, and then you have so many other people that are really on the other side of the fence. It's not like they're like on the other side of the world on the issue. They're really just have a different set of beliefs that are supposed to kind of be in line with what the original version or the original vision was supposed to be. I just, all I was seeing was the bad stuff um, because it's pretty easy to see the bad stuff, frankly, like the leader again, I like, I'm still really don't like I've even, went and watched some videos of Roger Ver, who is like basically the, the Bitcoin, you know, profit when it comes to Bitcoin cash. And he, I just don't like listening to him and I don't like the way that he interacts with people. Um, he's very defensive. He's very like condescending and stuff and to people that are like really nice and know what they're talking about and are smart and stuff. And like, I just fucking hate that. Like I hate that being the figurehead of any organization And so that's something that throws me off. And the fact that they do the whole thing where it's like they claim that they're the original when they're truly not. I mean, they don't have the longest like historical chain of record. That's not what they have. And so it's like you're kind of misinforming and misleading people. So like that that was all I was seeing. And what I wanted to understand was like the, the second layer, like why do people who know their stuff really believe in this other product that for me on a surface level just seems like a big scam. Um, yeah. Yeah. Well, so you are keeping all of us afloat in the cryptocurrency information. Uh, so it's good to kind of circle back on all of that subject <laughs> and kind of hash <laughs> it out again, <laughs> if you will. Uh, we'll follow up on this. We'll circle back on that. And then right. we'll, uh, you're, yeah, you're picking up what I'm putting down. Yeah. Going forward. Hunter, I want to uh, go ahead and take a break, and I want to hear what you have to say about this beer when we come back, man. Okay, we will do. All right, bit bit If you want to keep up with the show after the microphones have turned off, be sure to follow us on social media by searching Witty Banter Show on Twitter and Instagram and liking us on Facebook, facebook.com slash Witty Banter Podcast. Want to steer the conversation or be a part of the show? Just go on down to wittybantershow.com and leave us a suggestion for a beer or a question for us to answer on the show. And if you like what we're doing and you want to support the cause, head on over to iTunes and leave a review and feel free to share it with your friends. Let's get back to it.
Piro, piro, pop, piro. Zip a tap, zip a cop, cop, a zip pop. All right, man, what's the verdict? Right off the bat, gut feeling is this a beer that you could party like it's Oktoberfest with? Yes, for sure. Right? So I can definitely t- kick this back, and it's, um, it's light enough to where, like, if I want to chug it, it'll let me. Yeah. But it's also, like, it's also nice. It's well made enough to where if I choose to not drink it as fast, like I've been doing kind of in the first half, I might, I might try to uh, accelerate some mm-hmm. of the, the chug-a-meter See action. just how high it registers on that I meter. will. Uh, that, that'll be my second half part. But, you know, I think, you know, Chase, I'm, I'm starting to come to a, an epiphany here as I yeah. speak about this. I straight up have to cope with the fact that I can't smell or taste shit in yeah, a man. lot of beers, man. It's been many years now of you, you know, struggling and, and coming to grips with that. So on the I show. think all I can really do at this point, and I think this is might be a, a, a signpost for how I'm going to go about reviews in the future, is just whenever a beer allows itself to describe what it's trying to accomplish with the beer, like yeah. it's done here with saying that it has um, you know dark cherries, toffee, chestnuts, malty character. I'm just going to measure it up against that and see if that I'm getting that from, from what they're trying to accomplish. You got to see if they're hitting their mission statement, you know? You know, because all this stuff about me trying to like, well... I get this, but I also get a little small handle of this. I can't, I'm just, not, I haven't ever really been able to do it. Well, but even despite that, like I, I do want to remind you that what you are able to do critically with beer is way more than the average person. And though in the world of any sort of reviewing when it comes to any beverage or food, it can be intimidating because some people, one, um, can bullshit their way to sounding like they know what they're talking about, or they can be smart enough to really know what the fuck they're talking about, and that's intimidating. But when you really sit down with the average Joe who just like maybe enjoys the act of having the beverage, and you try to ask them some of the specifics of, of the questions that we kind of go through, they they really don't even know where to start. So you do have more than, than most, <laughs> you know. Okay. Well, all that being said... um. You know, it mentions toffee. I definitely get the toffee bits, right? Um, it also mentions the multi character, and I definitely get that. I also feel as though that it, you know, it's six point four percent alcohol by volume. The cozy Bavarian Oktoberfest. Um, it's like just enough. It's not a sting, and it's not even like sharp. But like, I do get the alcohol, which is I think is nice, considering that. You can chug this and have yeah. no problem, but I, if it's slow drinking enough, like I can enjoy the alcoholic content of it. So, yeah. and it's a nice I like this beer too. so far. You almost feel like a little more robust, being like, not only I'm I'm on the chugometer right now. I'm riding the chugometer lightning, and it's not a walk in the park because I got you know I I can puff my chest out a little bit. And, and and you're accomplishing something, right? Like if yeah. if you're gonna go you're to a fest, making progress. Yeah, if you're gonna go to a fest. You're not just gonna try and like drink light beers just to 
have fun. I mean, it does I, you know, suck. Maybe no, you it do. does suck like, when you're like, I'll pace myself, and then like four beers deep, you're like, well, shit, I'm not even feeling it, and I have all this liquid in me now. You know, I think this will get you there. Like, I think if you have an, like a couple liters of these, you will definitely be feeling this. Good, that's a good sign. I'll yep. quickly give you what I'm thinking about the bullet, and I'll I'll probably try to finish up at the end with a little bit more. Okay. Um, this bur this bourbon is very drinkable. It is waxy uh and like oily in the mouthfeel hmm. so it's it's uh it's got a bit of a backbone i think that's coming from the alcohol content and the flavor right now is nothing too rich and um like complex it's sort of got that more simple slightly bold uh, approach that i usually talk about and differentiate this one i'm getting flavors of like white pepper wood oak and some smokiness and that smokiness like actually thinking of like what it smells like to have been next to a campfire all night and smelling your clothes you know like that kind of smokiness that's where a little bit of like the grizzle and the bite of this is but that white pepper brings it up makes it bright and makes it feel and but that's where also you feel that heat of the rye so it's this it's this nice, like, warming brightness instead of, like, a sweet, tangy or, uh, like, thin, sugary brightness, if that okay. makes sense. It does. Yeah. It sounds like you might like it. Yeah, I do. Yeah. I think it's. I think the fact that it is so drinkable and already has those differentiating uh, characteristics that are, like, easy to see means that, like, it's, it's a great, it's a great drink and it's, it's it's a class above what's kind of just readily available in the market. You know what I mean? Boom. That's, that's more than I was even expecting. So good on you bullet. Yeah. Hunter, (laughs) when I expect just you and me on the show, I can usually, I use and say, I'm gonna have to use expect twice. I, 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 the one thing I won't have that Max will always is those slick transitions. That's where his spirit will always be felt. He does transition well. He's he does it incredibly well. It's frustrating sometimes. <laughs> anyway, dude, it's time for a segment about me and you. I believe we're doing a get to know your banterers this week. Hey, you there. Shut your trap, pipe it down, and get to know your banterers. And that's a throwback segment where, what, we just have a, a kind of a question or a conversation topic that's meant to kind of dig into who the hosts are of Woody Banter. Yeah, and and... You know, I was thinking about, well, we could do this where we list off our favorite this and we can do that. I'm kind of just at a point right now where I just want to get a nice little checkpoint on where we're at. A little update. Think, things we're into, you know, that kind of thing. I, I, I think the way I would uh, preface this is I'm just saying, what's, uh, what's winding your gears right now? And the way I'd put it is just like, I feel like recently, personally, I have been um, trying to find like what's my next thing that I'm gonna like deep dive into or really enjoy like picking up maybe either either as a hobby or researching or um, just just things outside of like you know going to work and doing the things that I need to do every day that are gonna be like the things I choose to do because I enjoy choosing those things to do um, and so you know the, the the things that personally I've been enjoying recently is I told you a little bit about this and I've talked about it on the podcast a little bit but 
I'm liking researching about Dungeons and Dragons yeah, and dude. making my spell book. Like I bought a fucking lined book the other day and I'm going in and I'm making notes on like, oh, during each turn you can do a cantrip and a bonus action, but you can't do uh, a bonus action and a normal spell. Like just all the little, like the little things that you have to know in order to be able to like fucking know how to use your character at its fullest. And I like the, and like, and it's even, it's, it's like, there's one spell where like it's called polymorph and I can basically turn anyone on my team or on or somebody else that I'm fighting into like basically just any beast that is subject that's listed out in the game. And so there's like a hundred different beasts. And so that's like one spell where it's like an endless amount of research that you can do on like, oh, I could turn this guy into this and that'll make his stats this and that'll allow him to do this. Right. And it's like... That's just cool. I like learning yeah. what all that shit means. I love learning about D&D, even from like a tertiary perspective, where it keeps showing up in design books that I read when it comes to game design, because they offer so many different things all at once. Like it offers a chance for you to exercise your creativity in your imagination and in your make-believe, in yep. the creation of your character in the fact that he carries a spell book and that like you get to interface with that fantastical person by having to research and learn the game mechanics. Right. Mm -hmm. And when you get deep into those mechanics and you're learning about the nitty gritty details of those systems, you are essentially planning your strategy and planning your moves that you're going to be executing. And when you have that much planning and that much anticipatory play, when the scenarios finally come in front of you and are either successful or unsuccessful in a and allow you to improv and do improvisation, there's a like a, a, a ton of satisfaction to be had there. Yes. And satisfaction is like one of the main drivers of play in general. Um, and so it's just it's very easy to see why D&D sucks so many people in. And I've loved being able to watch you from afar get sucked in Um and yeah, it's cool, dude. And that's so that was something that like I think I'm just going to keep doing and keep researching and I don't I don't I I don't know if I'm going to just dive head deep yet cuz like there's still a lot of stuff I don't know. I don't really know any of like the lore. Like there's a shit ton of lore behind all of it that I could be learning. Right now I'm still just learning the mechanics and like how to use the character that I want to be able to create and use. But yeah, I love the fact that you can role play. Like I've always thought of myself as kind of like I would like to be in theater and stuff. And so like this is kind of like my chance to do that. Yeah. Um, and so like I've been like that. I've been I told you the other day, like I like I, I personally recently have been enjoying doing like YouTube reaction videos. I guess I just like, uh, you know, seeing people respond. And I know some of it's hammed up. A lot of it's hammed up. Yeah. Like a lot of it's just people doing videos and being ridiculous but a lot of it like if you find good ones you can tell that they're being genuine and when you see genuine reactions of people that like <laughs> double rainbow all across the <laughs> sky <laughs> yeah. when you see people have like pretty genuine reactions to stuff that you either find interesting or that you also would have crazy actions to um i just i just think it's fun it it, it just kind of reconnects me with human, you know, 
endeavor and human emotion and stuff. And I, 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 again, I'm like not super deep diving into that, but that's been like a weird like tangent of stuff I've been watching. Um, and so I'm kind of curious what do you, what you feel like has been winding your clock. Yeah. So my days, um, I get to spend largely almost like exactly how, since I'm unemployed, I have massive, like my day is just a block of like, how are you going to use your time? Like, yeah, it is very incumbent on me to prioritize in order to keep myself busy, keep myself productive, keep myself moving forward and things like that. So I get to do a lot of things these days. Um, Mm -hmm. My primary, like I still consider myself to be like working on a passion project at this point with my research and um, having just finished reading aesthetic theory and finally getting to move on to new textbooks Mm-hmm. I am very much invigorated and the idea of writing my own book is crystallizing in my mind and like I'm becoming more confident that I think I can accomplish that thing That's and awesome. that is very much where my head is a lot like I'm someone whose brain is moving like at all times like I'm always thinking I'm always sort of stuck in thought and my mind is always kind of going and right now learning about aesthetic theory learning about art and learning about how aesthetics applies to more than just art, what it means as like a philosophy. That's just something where like, I'll just kind of be standing there in quiet contemplation at like the grocery store or wherever I'm waiting on something. And like my mind is just bouncing off of things, bouncing off of ideas, trying to go over what I had just read, trying to relate it to new things, seeing new things in the world. And then having that be now related to what I just read, where I'm almost taking like this huge web of understanding and meaning making that I've just learned. And now I'm getting to layer it on top of all the other webs that I've had and Mm -hmm. forming those new connections. I feel like is just strengthening my brain and like my intelligence, you know? Yeah. Because it it makes things easier to remember and to recall and everything's getting more connected. Um, but yeah, dude, outside of that, basically in between like study sessions, it's just, um, eating in the afternoons and evenings and maintaining like a healthy diet getting a little bit deeper into nutritional science and research and actually learning about um, different chemical compounds and micronutrients that act as mechanisms for like cellular regeneration, organ tissue regeneration, um, gut bacteria health and things like that. And like really dialing in what I think are going to be the factors for like long-term health and longevity. And I feel very lucky to be in that place. Um, That's awesome. (laughs) Yeah. And I feel very happy about like, I think it's just made me, it's made me happier and it's made me more lucid. And it's because of that accomplishment and being where I am, that's now the foundation that I get to, you know, I have a ton of energy. Like I work out in the mornings. I usually try to ride my bike a couple miles a day. And then like, I'll usually go on a walk at night. And that's just because I have so much energy that I have to get out, get it out of me. And so I just, that's another way that I honestly spend my time is just like mildly exercising. Like I like to be on the move right now because my, like I just am fortunate enough to be in a position where I can spend my time doing those things, you know? That's um, so yeah, dude, that's, that's honestly a pretty good snapshot of, nice. of what's, what's been going on. I also own a DSLR camera now. So my photography, I take a lot of shots. I don't edit near, nearly as many as I should, just like I'm sure a lot of photographers understand, but I have seen progress in that. I feel like my eye for composition is moving along. So dude, yeah, that's, 
and it's it's nice to to be asked honestly like it's fun to get that out and and kind of give an update on like what is making me tick because it's an opportunity to like express yourself and share yourself with people you know so absolutely yeah and yeah. i i will say you know you you said that you felt like it was inspiring that i had done a, a you know a, a research into a thing that i'm not necessarily a believer in i also feel like it's super inspiring to watch you deep dive into learning about aesthetic theory and art oh, and um I, and and also it just it's just interesting to watch how it's coming about how it's like it seems like you're really focused on learning a lot about art and the theory behind art and and on also video games and then you've always really pushed yourself to ask is is video game considered art and bec- and so now you're like you're building the pillars on either side yeah. and now you're allowing that 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 foundational understanding to actually clash at a higher level, which is right. fucking dope. <laughs> yeah, dude. Thank you. I appreciate that. And one thing that I learned that brought me success my senior year of college was being authentic and honest with my findings in research in that like when I did my capstone paper, I kind of was out to prove something, but the proof wasn't there. And I presented it in, in to my classmates as like, hey, I thought this was the way it was. It's actually not. And if the answer, if I find answers that I didn't want to find when I first started at the end of this thing, then I'm going to publish those answers because at this point, like I'm not doing all this research to get a propaganda across. I'm doing this research to figure out what the answer is, you know, the search of the truth. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. And, and I'm curious, you know, if, if you, you know, you've talked about the crystallization of if you were going to write a book. Um, do you feel like what you're going to be trying to do is like more so like building off of the, uh, shoulders of giants before you where like, Mm -hmm. you feel like you're, you're taking a lot of the stuff that they've said and sort of like progressing it into a deeper and even, you know, more fuller thought experiment, or are you just going to try and refute and go a different direction and prove stuff that like they haven't even thought of, or I'm curious, like, if yeah. you were to make a book, do you think it would be a little bit more um, of a Chase Chase is asserting this specific thing that's not the same as anything else that he's read? Mm-hmm. Or do you think it would be a little bit more of like, this is what I've gathered in all of my research so far, and like this is kind of building off of that what I think? Right. That is definitely how the book is going to be, is going to like open. So what I want to do is basically give a survey of the subject of aesthetics in video games and say like, these are who, these are the people who are talking about it. This is what they have said. These are the people who they are referencing. And then when I get into like who they are referencing and what they are saying, I want to be interfacing with the deep level theory on my own through primary sources. So like I'm reading the philosophers. I'm not reading an author who explains the philosophers, you know? Yeah. So Mm -hmm. I really want that to come through my own filter. Um, I do feel like I need to be putting forth new ideas. Something in this that I write has to be pushing forward in some regard as well as maybe fleshing out certain like this is where this author went with this. He could have gone further by going this direction or this author had it wrong by saying this, that, and the other. Hmm. And I am finding a little bit of room now through having read aesthetic theory where uh, the conversation hasn't gotten to yet 
for reasons that the authors who are out there writing are not trying to write about what I'm trying to write about. And I think seeing a little bit of that breathing room right now is what's also getting me very excited where it's like, okay, this is where I can fit in, you know, this nice. is where, it's like literally un, like no man's land, little yes. uncharted territory there. Yeah. So yeah, dude, I'm, I'm super excited. I, you know, thanks for, uh, thanks for your questions and your follow up for sure, man. Um, yes, sir. Yeah. But that's enough catching up with us. Let's catch up with the rest of the listeners. We've got a few emails in the mailbag. The first one I want to hit comes from Eduardo Santana, who, by the way, just moved to New York City now. Dope. Nice. He's, that guy hops around, dude. He's an international man. You know where he was before? Uh, I think he was in Brazil. I, sorry, Eduardo. I don't know, man. <laughs> <laughs> I think you're all you over had, the place. You had rem- I remember... Brazil being a connection, at least, I think, to Eduardo. So call yeah. us out if we're wrong, but that's awesome. New York is, uh, yeah, it's the... It's nice. So first part of his question, if you remember, he has a gluten-free allergy, and it seems that he has found a beer that's gluten-free that's really good called the Dara Dom Lager. Hmm. So if you're a gluten-free guy or a gluten-free gal, maybe check that one out and thank Eduardo for passing the info along to the gluten-free community. I love like how he's because he 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 brought this up. He wanted us to find some gluten free ones. We tried them. It sounds like this has been a quest, and I love the fact that he's like, "Look, I found at least like an amulet on this quest that I'm going to share mm. with everybody." That's great. He's got a ward now, a force yeah. field, <laughs> yeah. something to reside in. <laughs> All right, well dude, done. Eduardo's got a few quick fire questions for us. I think is going to make a pretty good mail segment. So we'll just use these. The first one, which fruit would be the best weapon? If you got to go, you got to come to blows with a fruit in hand, Hunter. What's it going to be? Probably the pineapple, right? I mean, I'm, it's, I'm thinking piney shit too. Dragon fruit. It's got see, some spines to them. Yeah. I mean, Pineapple just seems to be the biggest and most robust, and it has some spikes. So, and right. I could like hold can, the green tops with my hand and then use the rest of it as a hammer of sorts. Or you can go for a poking motion at the eyes with the green top. <laughs> yes. You can heave it and throw it. Pine- Dude, pineapple sounds pretty sweet. What about doing a more ninja tactical option with a durian where you cut it in half and let the smell? Just smoke the place out. <laughs> I literally don't even know what a durian is. <laughs> Go look it up. It is like world renowned for being one of the smelliest smells on the planet Earth. <laughs> like there are signs in markets around the world that like say do not cut durian here. Damn. Yeah, it's pretty intense. Okay. No, I could totally see that. That's that's like some more like nature like evolutionary kind of shit that you would yeah. employ. Um, his second question though, he's like, and, and you know, I wish Max was here for this one for his own insight. Cause he wants to know why do we not mind smelling our own farts, but we're disgusted with other people's farts. <laughs> What's the line of enjoying your own brand? Well, I don't want to sound like, uh, uppity here but i really don't think that my farts smell that often i i I think they're more gaseous i I don't i don't think that it's i mean sbd is a hundred percent real right like silent but deadly 
is a for real thing. And like whenever I pull those off, it's bad. But more often than not, I just have loud crankers. And <laughs> you got a lot of bark, not yeah. a lot of bite. <laughs> they really don't, you know? And like, crankers. like I have a girlfriend who hears it 20 times a day. And damn, dude, you are hitting that quota. I, I literally bet. I, I seriously do not think I'm exaggerating that I at least fart around Mandy like 12 times a day that she hears. And that's a lot. And that's, that's she, a lot. But she literally is like, yours don't really smell that bad. And I'm like, that's perfect. That's a <laughs> Cause, special bond. Because then, yeah, then it's funny and it's not that bad of a smell. There's not a lot of collateral. Yeah, yeah. It's, it's, it's all uphill. Or it's all downhill. So I don't know. I don't... I, I can't tell you. I'm sure there's honestly some like biological biological answer to it. It is know? a little counterintuitive though, because I think most people are kind of grossed out by their own stink, right? Like, like when I smell my own like armpits, like your armpits, yeah. I'm like, I'm grossed I out, hate it. and I can, but it's, yeah, see, I'm grossed out, and I can be grossed out by my own farts, but I would like smelly other people, yeah, like, other true. people, be like. <laughs> I'm, I'm kind real of okay, bad about dude. breath, dude. And like, I'm oh, not as bad breath. as other people, but like when I when I do whenever I am close to other people, and I get whiffs of bad, uh, even just like I'm sure it's not bad breath. It's just not good breath. It's bad, man. Oh yeah, I feel like it's an enjoyable. All right, the last question comes from Eduardo. He just wants to know, from a philosophy standpoint, do you believe that a company where employees make their own working hours could be productive? Hmm. It, it 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 entirely depends on the recruiting. It, it entirely depends on who is working there and whether or not you have established a vision um, and like a, an environment, a top down sort of this is how we think, this is what we're trying to accomplish, and this is how we get there. Um, I think it's possible. I mean, I don't think I'm like. I'm pretty far from that, right? But I, I, I also am not pressured to like get there at eight thirty on the dot. Yeah, like if I, you strict. know, like it's a pretty. I basically have like a full hour and a half that window that I could show up, right? And and that I'm expected to be, start working. And honestly, like I think that a little bit of that comes from seniority. Like I've earned my due in that, but. I don't think it's impossible for people to um, make their own working hours and to be successful. I think it's just when you get too comfortable doing that from the very start that you're much less likely to push yourself to, uh, you know, to challenge yourself and to stay longer than you have to. So, that, I mean, that would be my main thing. Yeah, and there's, there's something to it as well where you, you mentioned the expectation of when you kind of get in. Usually that's also driven by the fact that like you kind of need some coherence in the fact that your team or the groups that you work with are going to be all available around a certain time so that you can reliably communicate with them throughout the day and work with them. And I can speak from experience where I had groups that I worked with at Sony that were in Asia and in London. And there were times where it was like, 
if you got a certain message in the morning or in the evening, you need to be on that shit because you only have like one more hour of their time before you have to wait another full day to get a response. Yeah. And that's precious time. Yeah. Um, so I think it depends on like the industry and what they, the work actually entails. Um, but if you can, if, if the company, if what the company offers as a service or product and uh, the way that they uh, operate in terms of maybe they're pretty insular allows for that sort of remote work or um, you like uh, employee defined schedule. If that works and doesn't hinder the, the goals and growth of the company, then yeah, man, do it. And I think we're moving into an age where remote work is becoming more and more of an option. Um, and I don't know if that is a hundred percent correlative to the idea of making your own schedule, but I do think, you know, the main point being, I think you made a good point that like, you know, people get more done when you're working together. Right. And so not everybody's schedule is a hundred percent aligned, but if you have a general guideline on like, okay, look guys, like we should expect to be working together during these times generally. I think you'll probably be a little bit more successful. And also, yeah, I, I think technology is pushing us to a place where you can effectively be working together without actually working together. Um, and that's that's going to be interesting to see how that changes the dynamic of the nine to five, you know? Right. All right. Well, that's the end of Eduardo's questions. We're going to make that the end of the mailbag as well. I know we let Eduardo kind of have a little monopoly there, but I trust me, Tony... Dunter, I see your questions. We're going to get those next week, but I wanted you. to stop in on that email. So thank you again, Eduardo. Um, Hunter, let's hear the final gesture, man. I, I want to know where this Oktoberfest lands for you. Okay. I just took a nice little chug there. Um, honestly, like this is good enough to be a gesture of getting a nice full liter of it. Meeting at a beer garden nice, and clanking dude. it, you know, just a so nice you're, big you're willing clank. to commit. If you're willing to commit a liter to this beer, that means like you are you like you're you're accepting that opportunity cost, right? You can only yes. have so many liters in a night. <laughs> you know what I mean? Like you got to commit yes. a little bit. Yes, this is. Uh, I'm willing to have at least a liter of this, and it's because. Of the things that I was mentioning before, and I won't, I won't, you know, beat a dead horse at this, but it's just, it's got enough complexity and alcoholic body to allow it to be interesting and to have nice, uh, like a toffee, malty uh, flavor. But I can chug it if I want. I mean, I just, I just took out like half a can. And just a nice little, nice little gulp a gulp, and yeah. so when you got and that's what you want when you get right. Oktoberfest, you know. Yes, when you've got a beer inside of a liter mug, there's no sipping. Every <laughs> contact with your lips is at least a few glugs. Yes, and so I would say, good on you, uh, Three Nations Brewing Company. I like the cozy Bavarian again. It's six point four percent alcohol by volume. I give it an official witty banner bump here. Yeah, we'll have to be on the lookout for more of their beers. See if their portfolio like continues to deliver. Because like we said, we haven't heard of them before. See if they're um, delivering on the three nations. If we can decipher that by osmosis. Yeah, we've got questions. So I'm not going to offer very much 
else in terms of tasting notes for the bullet, um, the bullet bourbon. I would reckon to, to say that probably on their website, they have more flavor descriptors than what I've given out. And those may be true, but how I think this bourbon comes across in it's in an obvious way is um, that kind of oily, dense mouthfeel, which makes it kind of enjoyable to drink, gives it its body. Um, you've got that bright white pepper that I talked about, um, a aromatic middle tier um, sort of like oak flavor, and then that gruff bite from the smokiness. So you almost have like a smoky hot and a pepper hot that just combine really nicely. Uh, and mm. after two drinks, I can kind of feel it a little bit. So, you know, the 45% is still definitely nothing to sneeze at. I think this is probably a really good bourbon to use in uh, cocktails to like mix with, but it's also enjoyable to drink on its own. And I think is a good, um, a good entry level bourbon uh, as well. So I'm going to give this one two thumbs up. I think it's earned its place in so many different bars. Uh, and I'm, I'm, I'm happy I tried it, dude. I'm glad. That's a great. Yeah. That was a great review. And nice. it sounds like the fact that it's a hybrid with the forty-five percent, and you're and you're straddling, saying it's good on its own. It'd be good in a mixed drink. I'm liking mm-hmm. it. I, I have legs. a takeaway now. All right, Hunter. We're gonna go ahead and close episode 174 off. We thank everybody for their time as usual. We're looking forward to having Max back on the show whenever he's got a little more time with his projects. I believe he is also going to be uh, performing in his first play as an interpreter uh, doing sign language. And there's going to be some deaf audience members as well. So that's a huge step for Max. We wish him the best of luck. We can't wait to hear how it goes. Max is an extremely expressive um, like showman kind of dude. He's going to do great. I hope, I yeah, hope it's recorded. Yeah, um, me too. <laughs> anyway, to keep up with Witty Banter, you can just go to wittybantershow.com to get all of our episodes or to send us an email or other questions, maybe a beer uh, a beer review suggestion. Uh, you can subscribe to us on iTunes. Please leave us a review. It really helps uh, more people find the show, and we have a good collection of reviews at this point, so if you want to add your voice into that pile, it would be greatly appreciated. You can follow the show on social media via Twitter, which is at Witty Banter Show. You can also follow me on Twitter. I'm at Bodacious Chase, and you can subscribe to Hunter's YouTube channel, which is Crypto Diesel, where he's sending out cryptocurrency and blockchain technology updates and information that is super helpful if you want to get into the space. So, Hunter, thank you for a lovely episode of the classic flavor. Uh, Absolutely. We'll have to be back next week, man. Absolutely. You just nailed those plugs. Oh, that's maybe one thing I'll always have that Max won't. If he's got the transitions, yeah, he, he's got the segues. You got yeah, the plugs. I got the plugs, <laughs> which is ironic considering he actually has real plugs in his ears. But there that's uh, neither here go. nor there. Absolutely. All right, guys. All right. We'll see you next time. Beat up, beat up, beat up, beat up.